In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing educating children against attempted abuse. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, Building Resistance. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This one is Proverbs 1, verses 8 through 10, and it reads like this. My son, hear the instructions of thy father, and forsake not the law of thy mother. For they shall be an adornment of grace unto thy head, and chains about thy neck. My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. A great verse for us today, because what it is, it's modeling what we should be doing. Here it is, the father talking to his son and warning him about the dangers out there. And specifically, what we're going to be discussing is the sexual dangers out there. Predators that want to take advantage of our children. So, before we continue, I do want to remind you, take this moment to share this video, this podcast, with everybody on your safety team. And probably quite, I would also suggest sending it to volunteers that work in the children's ministry. And then go into the notes below, get the weekly notes, and use that for future conversations when you're back together again. You know, talk about this show, talk about what they heard here and what their thoughts and opinions are, and hopefully maybe even execution. What's something specific that you guys can do to safeguard your children? All right, so I have a couple of news stories here for you. The first one is, um, and I'm going to say this wrong so bad, I'm just going to go this way. I'm going to say Florida because it's Florida, May 18th, 2021. About 7 in the morning, an 11-year-old girl was at a street corner waiting for a school bus. While she was sitting on the grass playing with blue slime toy, a white SUV on the side street stopped at the corner. A man got out, ran over to the girl with a knife in his hand. He grabbed the girl and tried to drag her to the vehicle. She fought him off. He ran back to his car and sped away. She picked up her books and headed home. There she told her parents about the man. Um, They then called police. Video footage from a home security camera helped police identify the vehicle. They arrested the owner, a sex offender with a criminal history. He had spray painted the SUV in an attempt to change the evidence, but he had some of that blue slime toy that she was playing with on him. Um, Days earlier, someone in a white car, presumably the same individual, had stopped at the school, the bus stop, and had a few words with a girl, which she had also reported to her parents. So in this case, what you have here is this, is you have kids that very likely had conversations with their parents. If nothing else, they knew that they could trust their parents to go to them, you know, so they could go to them and talk about the, what happened to them. So this is, this is a good thing, educating kids, preparing kids, and then um, creating that safe place for them. All right, next story, um, Whittier, California, February 5th, and then again the 22nd, um, 2013, and then another time, 
March 6. All right, on February, on February 5th, a man, roughly between 25 and 35 years old, made two attempts to kidnap girls in Whittier. At 11.45 a.m. near one park, he offered to um, give a ride to a 17-year-old, but she refused. At 4.40 p.m., he argued with two high school girls, telling them to get in the car. They ran off. On um, the 22nd of February, the same man, same descriptions, including the car, this time wearing a mask, grabbed a girl aged 7 and another aged 11, forced them into his car. The 11-year-old um, was able to open the door when she had a chance, and both girls escaped. On March 6th, so this is the third event, another man, aged 41 this time, is the, was the guest, attempted to abduct a woman, age 18, and he was arrested. She fled and called 911 when he tried to grab her. All right, so all of these stories, right? It's about predators going out into the public, watching bus stops, watching parks, looking for potential victims, and then running over and attempting to kidnap them. If that 11-year-old was unable to open up that back door when she had a chance and help this 7-year-old escape, would we even, what would have happened? I mean, we may never even have seen those girls ever again. They would have been, their faces would have been on milk cartons when they used to do that. All of these situations, there's predators out there and we have to prepare our, ch our churches, our children, for this type of event. Now, I, I imagine at this time, a lot of you in the safety ministry, it's like, <clears throat> what does this have to do with the safety ministry? You know, obviously, if you're working at the church and you have kids going outside in, in the park, or maybe they're going on some sort of field trip or whatever, they're going out there. We have to be able that we need to be with them to provide that kind of overwatch in that security. You know, clearly, you know, even on church property, <clears throat> depending on where you are, you know, what kind of neighborhood you're in, you need adults out there. You need somebody watching over. And depending on the aggressiveness of these predators, that safety team, you know, needs to be present and be prepared to do whatever you can to stop any sort of abduction. So that's how, that's one way it kind of applies to us. The other way it kind of applies to us is, now I'm going to talk less about safety team and a safety ministry where the entire church is involved. We have to be part of the solution to reduce the risk of children being abused. Now typically a safety team, we're focusing, even a safety ministry, we're focusing on what's happening at church events, you know, and on church property. But we need to do more in the, in, in, in the way of prevention. How can we prevent this from happening beyond our walls and throughout their lives? So we taught, we've talked in the past about active shooters, right? And we talked how important it is for churches to have designated ministry that is about reaching out to people, newcomers and, and normal members alike, reaching out to them on a regular basis, asking them, how can I pray for you? Also, too, if you find out that something's going on in their life, lost job, divorce, child custody, those kind of issues, 
they need to be pushed up the chain of command, if you will. And so other people or people part of that ministry can actually reach out to them and provide them with real help. Real help, real counseling, real referrals, you know, groceries, fixing a car, whatever it is. And the idea behind that is this. Number one, we're fulfilling the calling of the church, in my humble opinion. That's good. That's top. But the second thing is this, is that we're actually helping people um, so they don't grow, develop an attitude towards their church. Or, you know, like that one we had the, that was at the Burnett Chapel, where after he did what he did and they took his mask off, they were shocked because he was a regular attendee several years earlier. So what if somebody would have been regularly calling him? Uh, would he have been radicalized? Would he have gotten violent? We don't know for sure, but you can see how we would mitigate that. <clears throat> With kids, it's kind of the same thing. You know, we can't control what happens at their home. We can't control what that happens at their school and when they're out and about with their friends and all that stuff. We can't really, we can't really affect that. But we can prepare them for the type of risks out there. Now, I get that in the, in the church, educating children about risks, especially the sexual abuse risk, has really been kind of controversial at, at some level. Um, you know, I just think of when I was a kid. Basically, the, the idea was is that parent, it was the parents' responsibility to teach their kids. And I still believe that. I believe that the, the gold standard, if you will, is good parents that sit down with their kids and have the talk with them that's age appropriate. And as time goes on, they, you know, that age appropriateness, you know, changes. It grows with the kid. And we continue to have these conversations. That's the gold standard. There's just a couple things wrong with the gold standard. I grew up at a time when they didn't even have any sort of human development, sex ed, until I was in seventh grade. By then, you know, most of us are 13 years old for, before we have that first talk, and it's being done by the school and not by parents. Um, the other problem with that is not only is it late, um, but the other problem with that is a lot of parents won't do it. It's too awkward. It's too strange. I can tell you myself, um, we have one kid, a daughter. She's 23 now. But, you know, thankfully, my wife was there to have those talks, those age-appropriate talks as things went by. You know, I know books were bought, you know, based on age level that my wife reviewed and ensured that they were what we wanted her to learn. And then, you know, at least they're reading a book together and then they're discussing what's in the book, all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I was a kid, that didn't happen. I mean, my, my parents never came to me. My mom never told me anything, probably because of the awkwardness of it. Also, too, um, I was basically just warned that certain things might come up in conversations or certain questions might come up depending on what they were talking about. And that was my role. So I get the whole awkwardness of it. But anyway, getting back to what I'm really talking about here is this, is the gold standard is the parents. I would say next to that, the gold standard should be the church talking about some of these things. Very rarely do I hear a sermon, or probably never did I ever hear anything talking about any sort of sex in church. 
But the Bible is packed with it. There's a lot there. I mean, I just read one verse warning the son, not, you know, of people that would, you know, want to take advantage of him or take care, take advantage of his lack of education or lack of experience and those kind of things. We have the Song of Solomon. That's the positive side of all this. But for some reason, maybe it's our Victorian, you know, chastity virtues or whatever that came from Europe that we just don't talk about these things. And so if we're not going to talk about them, if the parents aren't going to talk to them about it, then maybe the best thing isn't necessarily the public school, but the churches. Something should be said uh, from the pulpit, maybe. A good sermon about it. Maybe there should be some sort of conversation. I mean, how many churches have teens, and that's when their brains are really all crazy, fizzy, and whatever, affected by the opposite sex? I wonder how many of those ministries talk about the pressures and right and wrong and, and, and chastity and all that kind of stuff and the dangers that are out there for them and then getting younger than that. Now, I get it. It, it needs to be done in a biblical way. It needs to be done in a way that um, works well for parents. It needs to be done in a way where um, the curriculum is set up by you know the church approved by the church and then taught by people that are qualified to talk about these kind of things and what we're really doing here is this is we're giving kids a couple things number one when the parents talk to them it creates a safe space right so my i know for a fact my wife and daughter had many conversations over the years about this um also too if you have that other person at the church, that trusted ministry leader that they can go to and ask questions and, and talk to. Once you open that conversation and you're trustworthy and you're honest with them, you create this op- um, you create that safe space that kids need to ask questions and report. I think about these kids that reported to their parents, hey, this just happened. They knew that their parents were safe, that they could go and talk to them. I know and for a fact that a lot of kids that when they first go through school and they're in school and they're learning things in school about this, that they bypass their parents sometimes because their parents aren't talking to them and they go talk to the teacher. And so what this all really comes down to is this, is this topic should not be a taboo topic for churches to teach. It should not be. And if the churches take this on, and we as safety team members, the practitioners, can maybe talk to children's ministry leaders, maybe talk to the pastor, at least get them thinking about this topic and how they might address it from the pulpit, or maybe it's a a, a new families class or whatever it is where we're encouraging people to do that, what we're going to do is our kids are going to become a little bit safer. You know, talking about that, um, one thing I'd like to bring up is I did a deep dive into the FBI um, statistics for crimes at houses of worship. And one of the things I saw over the last 10 years is the increasing amount of reports. Now, we could say that the reason it's increasing is because more people are committing the crime. I actually don't think that that's what's happening. I think what's actually happening is this, is... When a kid is a victim of a crime, because we're doing a better job on talking about these kind of things with our kids, 
they feel free to come forward and tell us. Now, we're not there yet. We could be better, and that's why I'm really calling on the church and the safety ministry and anyone who's listening to this podcast, let's at least have this conversation. Let's get this going so we can take... We can take our steps to protect the kids even more. This is the prevention level. We want our kids, you know, the stranger danger at minimum, right? Let's at least do stranger danger. But there's another issue that we have is, as some of you have gone through our child protection course, you know that over 90% of um, child abuse comes from their parents or a close relative. And so... I'm going to say this with caution. The gold standard is the parents teaching their kids age-appropriate information. But at the same time, if over 90% of the parents are doing something wrong to their kids, are they really going to be educating them on the, on the whole what I'm doing to you is wrong? I highly doubt it. So I think this kind of now falls on the church to take some sort of active steps and we can prevent these scandals from occurring at the church, probably, I, I shouldn't even lead with that. Can we just protect some kids? Can we just do our job as sheepdogs and protect these baby lambs, these little lambs running around our church? We need to take a bigger role. And now I know most of you out there, like I've said already a, a few times, you're a safety team member. You know, and you're at the church and you're patrolling the grounds, you're looking for suspicious behavior, um, you're calling, you know, 911 when you need to, you're addressing, um, you know, disturbances and medical issues and planning for fire and severe weather and active shooters and verbal de-escalation. You have a lot on your plate. I would say with this, you have one mission, and that is get the conversation started. And, you know, get the show notes here. And let's, let's, you know, let's just get it going. Let's at least have the conversation. And maybe you'll get shut down. I would, I would guess most of you are going to get completely shut down. But plant the seed. You know, get it going. You know, at least do something. You know, one of the things we've talked about in the past that, and maybe it's been a while since I said it, is if something bad happens at my church, I want to be able to go to bed that night after the event and know that I took every reasonable step that I could to safeguard people. If, if, and so that way, basically, it was out of my control. I started the conversation. I got shut down. Okay. But I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep moving. I'm going to keep on reminding people about different issues that need to be addressed or should be addressed, and I'm just going to keep on doing what I got to do. I'm going to be faithful in what I've been called to do. And if something bad happens, I can say I did everything I could. It was other people or circumstances beyond my control that I could not affect. And that's going to help me sleep just a little bit better that night. And hopefully you guys feel the same way. We know that child abuse occurs in all kinds of forms, sexual, physical assault, neglect, um, all, all, there's, you know, financial, there's all kinds of ways kids are taken advantage of. Let's do our part. Let's be sheepdogs. So before I let you go, um, I want to remind you again to go ahead and share this stuff. You're going to want to jump on the website and read the article because um, I covered almost nothing 
of what Wesley <laughs> talked about, both basic theme. But he's got so much information in here. Um, he pushes you over to some resources, the Drew Shadeen uh, Safety and Education tab. Um, there's some Christian. There's one that's Christian out there that's a big deal. Um, one of them is Mama Bear Apologetics and uh, Mama Bear Apologetics Guide to Sexuality. Um, you know, obviously targeting, um, you know, moms of children and what they need to talk to them about, age-appropriate stuff, safety issues, the temptations, the things that they're going to see and experience. So, um, just want to announce our new alumni association program. If you've ever graduated with us and gotten your certification card with us, um, you qualify to be part of this alumni association. And essentially what it does is it connects you with other graduates, other alumni from your state, so you can kind of network a little bit. And so if you're facing a challenge, you can call somebody who's in the same state they, have, they work under the same restrictions you do. They have the same requirements that you do. And um, if they don't have the answer, then you can actually work together. The other thing that this allows you to do is we're having these, right now, it's, we kind of plan that every other Saturday we would have this office hours is what we're calling it, where you can join the Zoom meeting with me and it's an open topic, open discussion, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through. You know, we've been talking about active shooter in these um, groups already. Uh, lots of good conversation, you know, what's working for one church, what's working for another church, the challenges we all, fare, uh, we all face, we're all going through, and we have that kind of conversation. We may expand that. We may change when those meetings happen. For sure, we're going to do it at least twice a month. We're just trying to figure out what day and time is best to capture the most of you so um, you know so everyone gets an opportunity as best we can so other than that please like subscribe comment to this video there's some of you guys out there I'm just gonna say his first name Jim is one of them and I, I know I'm missing others but I'm just noticing some of you guys you're watching the videos you're commenting you're hitting the like button you're doing all that I love it it's absolutely great we're reaching more and more people. More people are watching our videos. Some people are going back in time and watching older videos. It's really been great. So keep on doing that, guys. I love you. Um, other than that, thank you so much for joining us today. And hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.